Uh, in this last conference, I would like to speak to you about a couple of the sorrows and joys of St. Joseph. There are, in the devotion, there are seven sorrows and joys that Holy Mother Church gives to us to ponder. For this conference, I'm going to point out what is called his sixth sorrow and joy and his seventh. St. Joseph's sixth sorrow, of course we know he had more than that. These are just the highlights of his life. The sixth sorrow was the return from Egypt. And his joy was his life at Nazareth with Jesus and Mary. Last night, I spoke about the flight into Egypt, which was one of his great sorrows, and now the return from Egypt is what I speak about. St. Matthew explains that when Herod was dead, remember Herod was the one who was threatening the life of the Christ child, and St. Joseph was told by an angel to flee because... The Christ child was in danger. But now Herod was dead. And so an angel appeared to St. Joseph in Egypt. St. Joseph had an angel appear to him in his sleep. And the angel said, Arise, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead who sought the life of the child. And so St. Joseph, sacred scripture tells us, arose and he went into the land of Israel. But he heard that Archelaus reigned in Judea in the place of his father, Herod. So this was the son of Herod now who reigned and St. Joseph heard this. And so now he didn't know what to do. Where should he go? And actually, St. Joseph, having prayed about it, and surely having consulted our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph made a decision to go to Jerusalem, because it seemed fitting for the Messiah to dwell in Jerusalem. But he hesitated, because that was the land of Herod, and Herod's son now with the lights that he received and his own use of reason and through prayer he made that decision but then we read in sacred scripture that once again in his sleep an angel appeared and the angel told him to go instead to Galilee the land of Galilee to the city of Nazareth Now, for your sake, I want to mention that it's interesting that St. Joseph uh, was allowed, was told to make a decision. He was given the burden and the responsibility and honor that the man has, which is make the decision, the big decisions. And... We see in both cases that uh, St. Joseph, we see here, made a decision 
And in a sense, it was the wrong one. It wasn't the one that our Lord wanted. He went to sleep, and that's the part about you men. He did made the decision to the best of his ability, and then he went to sleep. The woman would have been walking all over the house, fretting, right? <laughs> so that's why the men are supposed to make these decisions. You do what you can, and then you go to sleep. <laughs> and if God wants you to do something else, he'll let you know. And that's just what St. Joseph did on more than one occasion. And each time the angel came while he was sleeping, he had done his part, and now God let him know. And on this occasion, once again, in his sleep, the angel appeared to give the light from our Lord, go to Nazareth. Blessed Peter, Julian, and Mard writes, On his return from Egypt... Uh, that St. Joseph had once again to conceal the Christ child while they traveled. He had to be watchful and concerned. He said there was no rest for Joseph. He escaped one danger only to encounter another. They had lived in Egypt... Anywhere from two to nine years seems a big difference, but sacred scripture scholars have different opinions. Um, So two to nine years they stayed in Egypt. During that time, St. Joseph supported his family with his trade as a carpenter. And all the while, as the protector of the Christ child, he would have been attentive, watchful, never forgetting to be aware of the threats to the Holy Child. And all the while, St. Joseph remained docile to the graces, the lights that God would give him to know what to do. Because when he was sent into Egypt, he wasn't told anything else. And so he waited. He waited and he watched. For St. Joseph, with all his love for the Christ child, how disturbing it must have been to have to always be on the lookout. For his entire life, in his duty as protector, he had to endure the fear and constant awareness of the possible dangers for the child. And then he's told to go to Israel. And in this case... He was so pleased, of course, to go back to Israel, his homeland. But he had to hide the Christ child. He had to be careful. Once again, it was a long and arduous journey. He was allowed no rest. It was constant work as father and husband. But also, once again... St. Joseph, being warned, he had to bear the crosses and trials throughout the journey and then even again in Nazareth. His life there would have also been a life of hard work and of watchfulness. But he had joy as well, of course, especially at Nazareth. There he had the life the home with the Christ child and our blessed mother. And his life with them was a comfort. 
His life gave him consolation and his life with them gave him strength to do great things, the greatest of things, to take care of the Blessed Virgin Mary, to take care of the Son of God on earth. It gave him comfort and strength amidst numerous sorrows, numerous sacrifices. For you as well, the awareness, the conversation with Christ and our Blessed Mother, the awareness of their presence, conversation with them, looking to them, can be your comfort, your support, your strength. During, especially I think, prolonged or repeated crosses, this is good to think about. See, this is a repetition to Egypt, back to Israel. Repeatedly, repeatedly, St. Joseph had cross upon cross. There are certain crosses in our life that just remain. Ours are not as great as those, of course, of St. Joseph. But we have a repetitiousness of little things that can be wearing. Difficulties. As you depart from retreat... I urge you to take with you some resolutions and one of them is to look to St. Joseph to see what was the source of his strength. What is it that helped him to bear great and little sorrows over and over again? Where did the light come from for his decisions? Where did the patience come from to bear with things that bring sadness? What gave him comfort in the midst of enduring sadness or irritation of uh, things that were going on? What gave him comfort and strength was the presence of our Blessed Mother and the Christ Child. The awareness of their presence and his conversation with them. Prayer does that for us. Prayer is the lifting of the mind and heart to God, as our Baltimore Catechism tells us. It's the lifting of our mind and heart to God. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila says it's nothing more than an intimate conversation with him who we know loves us. Conversation. With Christ and our Blessed Mother. Prayer. And what does it bring us? It brings us the enlightening of our intellect. And the strengthening of our will. In last night's conference I mentioned how our feelings don't always cooperate. About doing the good and fleeing the evil. The feelings are out of whack. What do we need to do? We need enlightenment. For us to say... What is it God wants me to do about this? Oh, he wants me to flee this evil, this occasion of sin. Therefore, use the will. Prayer gives that to us, light and strength of will. And prayer also gives comfort, comfort in trials, a lightness of heart 
that helps us to carry the difficulties of life. St. Joseph's mind and heart was always on Jesus and Mary. He listened to them. He spoke with them. He sought counsel from our Blessed Mother. While he was their protector and their strength, they gave him strength as well. We need to speak and listen more to God. This world is so full of noise, so full of distraction, constant. I remember years and years ago when I would travel flying, going to an airport. It was pretty easy to find a quiet spot to open up my prayer book, say some prayers, maybe do some work even. And then some years later I realized it's almost impossible because every five seats there's a television. (laughs) And you try to find a corner where you don't have to hear it or look at it. And it would always happen. I'd sit down and think I was all set. And then I'd realize there's another one. They're everywhere. Noise, noise, noise. It is a tool of deception from the devil. Because all that noise keeps people's mind from thinking about higher things. From analyzing self a bit. All that noise is a tool of the devil. Constant distraction. This is why retreat is so great. I'm sure you've experienced on retreat that you've been able to set aside some things. Recognize, as they say, don't sweat the small stuff. You've been able to put things in order and say, it's not such a big deal. Or, this is a big deal. How am I going to deal with this? You've been able to set aside the noise and think about your salvation, yours. Retreat accomplishes that in great measure because the noise is gone. The distraction is gone. And that allows you then to lift your mind and heart from this earth. Lift your mind and heart to higher things, to heaven, to God. To think about the only thing that matters in life. That you save your soul. When you leave retreat, the noise will start up immediately. The distractions will be there. You have to get back to your duties, your family, friends, back to work. How can you take with you? a little bit of this clarity of mind that perhaps you've gained here on retreat. In great measure, you can take it with you by having a greater prayer life when you leave. Taking with you a few resolutions about prayer. What can I do to help myself lift my mind and heart to God more often? Our Lord said, pray without ceasing. When we hear that, we sometimes may think, well, you know, that must have been just to really holy people. Because how are we to do that? We can do that, for instance, through a morning offering, a, a prayer first thing. 
let all my work be a prayer. Uh, St. Joseph worked. He had distractions in a sense of things to do, people to talk to in the course of his business. He had to concentrate on what he was doing. And yet, there's an awareness of the presence of our Blessed Mother and the Christ child. We need assistance to pray more. And if we look just for those chunks of time, you know, the big half hour or the big hour in your day, um, you'll be waiting a long time for the most part. You know, the phone rings, uh, the kids want more money or the keys to the car. Um, the wife still has the to-do list that you think is almost done, and then she adds ten more things. It's constant, the things you have to do. How, in the midst of that, can you lift your mind and heart to God more? Well, I was thinking about this, uh, that especially with our world with gadgets, uh, our, our phones today give us constant access to fa- friends and family. Constant. Uh, you see this a lot of times, right, in the world, some, especially teenagers, um, it's like glued into their hand. They go to bed with it there, right? <laughs> or they don't go to sleep and they're still using it. Um, as you're trying to work, maybe, family, children, wife, or friends, or parents, constant, constant contact. And you may be wanting to send this message or this funny joke or picture. It's not that it's bad, okay, but it can be excessive, in which case it is not good. But take that for example of when we say to ourselves, well, I can't pray all day long. If we thought about, I could text God, in a sense, throughout the day. I could send a short message to him frequently. That thing I mentioned last night where you can take just a word to say frequently through the day. Just a little word. Perhaps each time you send a text to somebody to say to yourself, Jesus mercy. With each text, Jesus mercy. With each text, St. Joseph help me as you send the text. Think about how many times How many times you would pray if you used that? If every time you went on the computer, you had that image that made you lift your mind. Blessed Mother, pray for me. If each time you went on the computer, pulled up the gadget, you did that little prayer. Um, St. Bonaventure says that uh, these little one-liners, you might say, these aspirations. He said they are like fiery darts that we can shoot to heaven from our heart to the heart of God. Use those fiery darts throughout the day. You know, there's the St. Andrew Novena that many people do, that you pray during the month of November 15 times a day. And uh, this year, it took me this long, to be successful. It's a little embarrassing to say, here I am a nun. 
But the prayer is long for me, okay? It's a bit long. And to do it 15 times. In fact, the first time I did it was when I was a postulant. And I prayed it, and I was so proud of myself at the end. So I said to a fellow sister, this was great. I did it. And she said, oh, I had so much trouble. I mean, to remember 15 times a day. And I said, 15? <laughs> she said, well, yes. I said, I only did it once a day. <laughs> I'm one of those people who does not read directions. <clears throat> that was really clear that I do not read directions. I did it once, but you know what? I got what I wanted anyway. <laughs> but it was only because of my ignorance that God was indulgent with me. So after that, I knew, now that I know, I have to do it 15 times. <laughs> But I also realized when you do that, uh, especially I basically do it by just saying it constantly, and that way I know I got 15 times. By doing that, I also came to see that if we had a little prayer that we would just say frequently, we really could converse all day long. When I do that St. Andrew Novena, now that I know I have to do it 15 and I have to make up for that year I only did it once, I just say it constantly. And that month is so great because it helps me to just pray, keep praying, keep praying. Take a little St. Joseph Novena or Blessed Mother Novena in a sense. I call it my prayer of the month. So each month I have a prayer of the month that I try to say throughout the day. Real short, as we all know now with me. Uh, you know, just, uh, since I've been working on this retreat, it's really short. It's just, St. Joseph, give me light. St. Joseph, give me light. St. Joseph, give me light. I say it all the time. Sometimes it's St. Joseph, give me patience. Or St. Joseph, give me sleep. Depends on the need. But it's really easy because we always know our need. You just add St. Joseph to the thing that's bugging you or the thing you want. And you'd be saying it all day long. Or, Joseph, you're the man. That's the other one I like. Joseph, you're the man. A little phrase. Something that you like and something you can pray throughout the day. Use, if since we have to use those gadgets, use them for good. Use them for good. Use them to help you to pray throughout the day. Uh, that word Hail Mary Hail Mary throughout the day gives you a conversation right a conversation with our Lord all day long sending texts talking to him every time you go uh, onto the computer that travel prayer another reason to help remind you every time you get in the car every time you get out of the car A habit of prayer. That's what our Lord means by pray without ceasing. Make a habit of it. And of course, I have to throw in here at the end for you. If you do not say the rosary every day, make that a resolution for yourself. Our Lady came down from heaven. And at Fatima, she told us the answer for the troubles of the world. She told us the answer to keep souls from going to hell. Our Lady showed those children hell. And she showed people falling, the souls of so many falling into hell. 
they literally saw the frightening sight of souls suffering in hell. And she told them that the souls in hell, the reason most of them were falling into hell was because of sins of impurity. She said they were falling like snowflakes in a snowstorm into hell. What can we do about that? The souls of others as well as our own? Pray the rosary, she said. Pray the rosary every day. St. Louis de Montfort said that if we pray the rosary every day, we can be sure of saving our souls. Pray the rosary every day. For those who are in college, if you want to save your soul while you're wallowing in a cesspool of college, which is what it is today, the rosary has to be prayed every day. It's the only way you'll keep your faith in those uh, that den of iniquity of college, which you should only go to if you have to. I used to be a little softer on this, but now I don't care what you think. I know from dealing with graduates that the colleges are worse. They're dens of iniquity. I mean, obviously, if you're becoming a doctor, we do want you to know something. Uh, <laughs> but for someone who isn't planning on a career like that, stay out of the den of iniquity. And if you have to go, all the more reason for you to be dedicated to that daily rosary. Um, for... Those who have families, uh, be sure your family prays the rosary every day. And if it's that thing that sometimes we say, well, we all have different schedules and we never can get together. You're the man of the house. You set a time and you kneel before Our Lady's statue and you say, my wayward kids are not showing up, but please take my rosary for them. Do what you can. Do what you can to do the rosary for those who will not say it. And I will point out for you, as the head of the household, lead your family in prayer. Lead your family in prayer. This is so crucial for our young men to see that their fathers have a spiritual life. That their fathers have a prayer life. That it's not just a woman thing, praying. But rather, the men lead. They lead the whole family in doing what is most important, which is giving glory to God. Seeking light and strength from our Blessed Mother. Lead your family in prayer. It is crucial for our young people, in particular for boys, to see the example of a father with a prayer life. Once a boy becomes a teenager, the influence of their mom is not as great. We wish it was different because, I'm sorry men, but women are generally more devout and more generous. Um, You can see that by looking at the foot of the cross. One man, lots of women. But you can change that now that you've gone on retreat. Be men of prayer. Be men of prayer. Set that tone for your whole house that you are a man who says your prayers publicly 
You set the example. <clears throat> For those in the single state, prayer has to be part of your life. In order to help you to be strong, in order to help you to be chaste in this wretched world full of occasions of sin, in order to help you to be courageous in the work world and to hold on to your faith, have a prayer life, a consistent and constant prayer life. A prayer life is what St. Joseph, uh, he gives an example of that. Constantly he looked to Mary and Jesus. He had prolonged trials. He had responsibility and hard work. But he had the joy also. And the joy was the company of his holy family. We can have that too by persevering in prayer. And so I urge you as you depart from retreat, take with you a resolution concerning your prayer life. Add to your prayer life. And uh, I think we gave you some resolution cards. On those resolution cards, uh, it is good to write down your resolution. The reason to write it down is because we need accountability. You know, we think right now, oh, yeah, I got this, especially men. Uh, you know, like, oh, I, got it. I won't forget. It's just human nature, right? Having it written down gives accountability. It's a reminder, and reading it will say, Ooh, oh, that's right. I thought I was going to remember that, but it has been a few weeks. So, And I recommend you put it somewhere that you can check yourself now and then. One idea is to put it perhaps in your missal, and each Sunday when you go to Mass, you can just open it up and do just a little check, a reminder, and how am I doing? Um, so uh, St. Ignatius actually his resolution chart for retreats, his is really uh, much more extensive. Um, so he, this great soldier uh, of the military, as well as a soldier of God, he wrote down his resolutions, and he did this checklist every day. And I tried that once, but now that I've expressed how what I'm like, didn't work but I have resolutions and we I mean in religious life the sisters do two twice a day they do an examination of conscience twice a day I know some of you are rightly thinking well what do you have to examine (laughs) we examine progress we try to examine things we're working on right trying to pray better trying to be better if this is done in religious life how much more important it is for you in the world to have resolutions, and to read them over. Have accountability. And then, with your uh, departure from retreat, I also mentioned to you uh, the importance of perseverance. And one of the things we can see in the seventh sorrow of St. Joseph, there are many things to note, but in the seventh sorrow, I think we can take from it this desire to be united with Christ, a perseverance in seeking him. The seven sorrows, the loss of Jesus in the temple. This is when our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph were going to Jerusalem to celebrate the day of the Pasch. And uh, our Lord was 12 years old at the time. 
And the way it worked is when families would travel, because all the families would go to Jerusalem to the temple. And when they traveled, the men were together, the women were together, and the children, depending on their age, could go with either group. Sounds like a good way to go, right, men? All the men together. (laughs) Well, they went to Jerusalem, and they departed. And our Blessed Mother thought that the Christ child was with St. Joseph. St. Joseph thought that the Christ child was with our Blessed Mother. So in the evening, when the encampment stopped and the families came together for the evening, they realized he wasn't with them. And so they returned to Jerusalem to seek our Lord. And they sought for him for three days. And after the third day, then, they found him in the temple. And he was uh, preaching preaching in the temple and he was in the midst of doctors and they were asking him questions and sacred scripture says all were astonished at his wisdom and his answers and our blessed mother said to Christ son why hast thou done this to us behold thy father St. Joseph and I have sought thee sorrowing and his answer was How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Sacred scripture says that they didn't quite know the word that he spoke to him. Saint uh, Blessed Peter Julian Mard says of this trial, he said, So great was Saint Joseph's anguish, so bitter were his tears. And he says that he was wrecked with anguish over this because in his humility he thought that it might have been his own negligence in caring for the son of god father lapide points out that although um, saint joseph and our blessed mother were full of wisdom and knew that christ was the messiah god made man they still grieved he says Why? Because they were parents. Parents grieve for their children. And they had immeasurable love for the Christ child. And Father Lapide says that Christ had departed quite contrary to their expectations. They were surprised. They knew that Christ was going to someday begin a public life of suffering to save men. But he was only 12 years old. And their blissful life they had with him put the future sufferings in the distance. And so this was a rude awakening for them. And partly this is why our Lord allowed this, that they would be reminded of what was to come, that he would depart to suffer, he would leave them. But also it was to prepare them. For what was to come. They in no way lost the Christ child because of a fault on their part. But they had to endure this loss. And what did they do throughout this loss? They sought Christ without stopping. They sought him. They persevered. This lesson of perseverance in seeking Christ, this lesson of 
eagerly searching and never giving up is an important lesson to take with you from retreat. Hopefully you have a little more spark and zeal and eagerness now to do the one thing necessary, salvation of your soul. But distraction in the world, noise in the world, human nature, temptation. You may falter. You may forget. The fervor will die down. I remember uh, one couple who used to go on retreat. The man would go on retreat. wife would go on retreat. And the man would always say he knew if the ladies retreat, he would gauge how good the ladies retreat was by how long it took for the two of them start to start fighting on the way home. <laughs> if they made it all the way home without a fight, he said, wow, that was some retreat. <laughs> now, I hope your fervor lasts longer than your drive home. <laughs> but it is human nature to forget, to get lazy. The world is full of temptations and occasions. Persevere. Be determined. Even if you falter in your resolutions, do not quit. Do not say, what's the point? Um, as you depart, make, any, make uh, a decision that you will make any sacrifice to stay united with Christ. Make any sacrifice. St. <clears throat> Francis de Sales says in regard to resolutions that they are like the wings of a bird. He says when, when a bird soars toward the heavens, he doesn't just flap his wings once. He renews the effort again and again in order to reach the heights. The saint explains res- resolutions are like this. Making them is not enough. Renewing them once is not enough. Renew them again and again and as soon as you recognize that you're in a slump or you're losing focus flap the wings make the resolutions again if you have the great misfortune of falling into sin don't let anything keep you from getting to confession renew the resolution don't let travel any sacrifice keep you from getting to confession, from living in the state of grace. If you forget about your resolutions and that card falls out of your missile two months from now, pick it up, read the resolutions, be determined again. Now, St. Francis de Sales says to be better able to keep our resolutions, it is good to take just a few, uh, just a few. Two, maybe three. If you make a lot of resolutions, it's highly unlikely you'll be able to keep them. He says take two, three. Uh, As I mentioned, a good resolution is perhaps take one about your prayer life. Uh, Take another perhaps about a virtue to practice. By that I mean a virtue appropriate for you. And you'll know that based on uh, your sins or your defects 
If it's patience, make a resolution concerning your practice of patience. If your problem's anger, make a resolution about practicing meekness, the control of anger. And I also urge you to take a resolution concerning occasions of sin. That I think is so appropriate for our day and age because we are surrounded by occasions of sin. And by that, by that I mean persons, places, things that draw us into sin. If there's a certain sin we fall into, if we realize, well, it's because when I'm with that person, this is what I do. Then make a resolution. I'm rarely going to be with that person. Now, you can't do that about your wife, okay? <laughs> uh, I better clarify this. <laughs> That's just one where you have to work on patience and meekness, okay? <laughs> uh, perhaps you realize, well, there's a place. When I go there, I fall into sin. Then make a resolution about it. Uh, things. If you if there's a certain place, if it's uh, a movie theater, if it's a bar, make up your mind. If it leads you into sin, off off the chart, not going. If it's a thing like the internet, uh, if it's using your computer or your phone, the internet, uh, which I know basically it's, we're forced to use it these days. You have to with jobs and communication. But it is a source of great temptation. It is a source of great temptation. Um, Be very careful. And if you realize this leads me into sin, then take measures. Put on the Internet blocks that you need. Uh, Do whatever you need to do. St. John Vianney had um, a devil appear to him on numerous occasions. But on one occasion, he asked the devil about the sermons that disturbed the devil's designs. Which ones? And instantly the devil said that the thing that angered him, the devil, the most, was sermons about occasions of sin. Because he said... That that, more than anything else, that more than anything else, destroyed so many of the devil's designs. Occasions of sin. Makes sense. If you take away the things that will draw you into sin, you will not sin. It's very logical. And again, the military point, plan for the battle. If that's where we fall, then don't go there. So that's a good resolution. If you know of something that brings danger to your soul, make a resolution to avoid it. Uh, Write your resolutions down, just a few. Look back at them. Call them to mind. And also as you depart from this retreat, uh, I hope it is with a greater devotion to St. Joseph. Remember, if Christ, who was the holiest and best who ever lived, if you were to ask him, who was the man on earth, who was the man on earth that was the holiest next to you, Christ? 
he would instantly say, My foster father, St. Joseph. If you were to ask our Blessed Mother, who was the closest to her, who was the holiest on earth, she would answer next to Christ, My husband, St. Joseph. Remember the greatness of St. Joseph. Remember his power, what power he has with the Divine Son, what intercessory power he has with our Blessed Mother. Go to him in your needs and look to him for example. As I mentioned in the previous talk, he is an example for every state in life, every situation in life, every job in life. Look to Joseph. While preparing for the retreat, I came upon a, an explanation of St. Joseph's greatness. And it was written by an old Holy Cross father. And um, I'm just lifting this from him because I couldn't reword it better. It sums up the theme of this retreat. And I hope you take with you a, a greater love and knowledge than of St. Joseph. And that you go to him more often. Here is what is said of the great St. Joseph. A terrible famine is laying waste to our world. It is not so much a famine of food, although millions are starving. Nor is it a famine of gold, for the world has too much of that and has made us unhappy. Rather, we are suffering from a famine of a more serious nature. This is the famine of great men. The world today is suffering from a terrible nemesis of mediocrity. We are dying of ordinariness. We are perishing from pettiness. The world's greatest need is great men. The magazines across America each year pick man of the year. Reporters will be on the lookout. Surveys will be given. And some man will have his name carved out as the man of the year, the most successful. Editors and plush offices will sift through the world's celebrities. They will scan through athletes, scientists, public figures, politicians, authors. In the end, we will be disappointed with their choice. For we know that greatness does not consist in winning wars, or in winning penance. It does not consist in winning games. It doesn't consist in building airplanes or making money. Greatness does not consist in material success or achievement in anything that strikes the eye. Our world needs great men of another caliber. Men who are convinced that greatness is first and foremost a quality of the heart. Men convinced that it is better 
to scale the ladder of sanctity than to scale Mount Everest. Men convinced that the greatest battles are won in the great fight against sin. These are the qualities that really move the world. Indeed, in a very definite sense, these are qualities that move heaven, for they win the heart of God. Therefore, to the editors and the reporters of America, we present St. Joseph as our pick for man of the year. We offer him to a weary world as a model of real manhood, as a man who succeeded because he knew the secret of true greatness. And St. Joseph has for us also many messages for our time. He has a message for the fathers and the husbands. He has a message for workmen and for teachers. His hidden life is the answer to the modern world's inordinate pride and false ambition. As a patron of a happy death, he is a constant source of hope in this era that so dreads the great beyond. As protector of the universal church, he assures us that victory is ours in the bitter struggle against persecution and heresy. These and countless others are the messages of St. Joseph for our times. He has left his light upon our paths. His greatness has survived the ages. It goes beyond the years and towers up into the heavens. The one profound secret of his career, for a career it truly was, was the realization that all true achievement must be based on sanctity. In short, Joseph realized that the world's greatest needs is saints. For saints are the greatest men. Because, therefore, of his sanctity, his silence, his love, humility, and his wisdom, he is our choice for the man of the year.